Race FF Podcast. <laughs> I'm already messing this up. Uh, I am your host, Jaime Garcia. I'm, I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it. We're going to go with it. Um, today, guys, is um, another um, local legend. Um, we have on somebody who I've met many of times, uh, including uh, one of the people who helped me start out um, actually just learning how to drive a stick shift in terms of like driving it spiritedly in terms of track driving my buddy um tarmac junkie uh john lindeman who's also a good friend of this person um you know i i have always had a soft spot for eg hatches and people that are quick and people that have nice ones and Jared Reyes is a, a prime example of that. Somebody who's been around the Time Attack community here in SoCal for a long time and is one of the guys that makes the rules for uh, Honda Time Attack Challenge with uh, Speed Ventures. And if you have any complaints, please message him. He is dying to hear them. <laughs> so thank you for coming on, Jared. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for having me. The complaint department. <laughs> so... Um, we we've been talking a minute and this is like one of the things that I kind of always look for in terms of a guest is is it somebody that I can just like sit down and talk to and then all of a sudden I look look down and I'm like oh it's been an hour crap like we we need to do stuff and <laughs> Jared like you're you're exactly that type of person um always a joy to talk to you every time that I've gotten the opportunity to so yeah, man. Um, for yeah. the listeners who don't know you, um, tell them a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Uh, and I'm glad we could finally line up schedules because <laughs> we've been bouncing back and forth on trying to lock in a date for like a month now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, my name is Jared Reyes, and uh, I like to take old Hondas to the racetrack. Yeah. So. Uh, I don't, not very good at it most of the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that's me in a nutshell, really. So you've been doing track events for now. How long, how long would you say? I think the first event that I ever actually drove in myself was, I believe 2007 or 2008. We'll go 2008 just to be safe, but mm -hmm. yeah, so a while, um, and I didn't, I, I just had friends that were doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I had been to a handful of track days and I had gone to NASA events and I'd gone to like red line time attack events and oh, yeah. watched, yeah, if I'm dating myself, <laughs> I used to go to red line time attack uh, but you know, just had friends that were more involved than I was. So I would always show mm -hmm. up and spectate and just kind of hang out. And then, uh, yeah, you know, I guess it would have been 2008. Uh, I bought a 98 Integra type R and everybody was like, well, you bought a type R, you have to do a track day with it. Mm -hmm. Like, that's like, I if mean, you're a, if you're a type R owner, that's like a, you yeah. have to, it's a must. Uh, and so I did. I did one track day with that, maybe two. Oh yeah, I did two because I didn't know how to drive and I 
broke a clutch disc. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> um, but I also had the Civic because I had, I've owned the Civic since like 2002 or 2003. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you know, I'm young and I'm making payments on this type R. So that can't be a track car. Like I, mm-hmm. I have to drive that to work Monday morning. So um, I basically came home or, you know, at the time I went back, my car was being stored at my dad's house and I started selling off a bunch of like these fancy JDM parts and stuff that I was putting mm-hmm. onto my Civic and uh, yeah, made it like just a car to take to the track. And then that has spiraled out of control over many years. And... <laughs> as you do, as you do. Yeah. 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 So when you first started out um, track driving, obviously um, here in SoCal, like Honda culture is pretty big and prevalent now. But uh, when it started out, it wasn't like that. And if you were doing anything with Civics or anything with Hondas, it was really drag racing. And that was, was that your first experience with it? It was. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Lancaster, California, which if you don't know is, is about 20 minutes away from Willow Springs. So right next um, to the beach, beautiful, uh, ocean front, a lot of uh, vegetation. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I, there's yeah um, <laughs> oh, it, just google it if you don't know what it is it's it's the desert there's joshua trees and yeah if you've ever seen breaking bad yeah it's pretty much breaking bad uh <laughs> but they're also in palmdale which is like 20 mm. minutes like basically the next town over uh was lacr so la county raceway yeah. And that's when, so, oh, I guess my brother's a few years older than I am, and mm-hmm. I would tag along with him and his friends to Battle of the Imports. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my first real exposure to to really anything car-related. I mean, I always knew, like, I, I'd liked stuff like that, but I was, like, you know, in, like, junior high at the time, so I didn't, mm-hmm. I I knew I liked it, but I wasn't like driving a car for myself or I didn't have a job or anything like that. So I, Mm -hmm. I thought I, I thought I liked it. And, uh, then, yeah, it was just sort of one of those things that at that time, I think if you were involved with sort of the culture of it, or if you saw that or went to those events, it was very different than the outside looking in where you just saw a bunch of kids with, you know, no mufflers on their civics. Uh, you know, it was, it, no one knew what they were doing for the most part. I mean, it yeah. was just, you know, but, but the cars were accessible. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was like, I got a taste of it. Like, okay, this is cool. This is what people are doing with it. Mm-hmm. And then when it came time, my brother actually had a really cool, civic that i wish I, I wish i could get my hands on that car again what was um, it he had it was a i think it was a, an 84 civic hatchback what with, that's cool so like the cbcc a, looking one or no it or was like the the, the one right bef- the boxy one right before the ef oh okay okay so maybe it was later i'm not sure but hmm. it had like a dual cam zc so like the 1.6 oh. Nice. non VTEC. Um, it was super clean. It was just, it was a cool car. He built it when he was in high school mm-hmm. and 
that's the car I learned how to drive stick on. Oh, that's Which, cool. like, to this day, I think it was still... It had, like... I probably couldn't drive that car good today. <laughs> like, the... It, it was so throttle-sensitive, and then the clutch was super aggressive. Oh, so, yeah. So, uh, learning to drive in a car like that, and I just... I... I got the car. So when he when he bought another car and moved on from it, I actually got the car. Mm-hmm. Sort of, it was one of those family. I don't know. My dad probably ha- gave him money for it or something. Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I ended up not wanting it, and I think it was because it was always his car. Like it would have forever uh, been. I see what you mean. You know that I, it would have for always been my brother's car that mm-hmm. I now own, and uh, I was like, no, you know what, I want. I want a 92 to 95 civic hatchback. Yeah. I didn't like, I'm like, that's just, that's, that's it. That's what I want. And that or like a DC two Integra, but I couldn't yeah. afford it at the time. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't afford anything really. <laughs> and so, uh, I ended up finding a civic. I was fixing it up young and dumb. I crashed that one, had parts in the garage for it and got the car that I still have today. That thing had like 200 something thousand miles on it when I bought it. Damn. And it was a driver. And then I drove it for a long time and commuted it. It's gone through like every phase of, <laughs> of like Honda ownership. It was like, <laughs> it was Slamtown and now track yeah. day. Yeah. It was like commuter car and then. It was a, it was it was rough around the edges for a while. I had a, uh, like a LS, like a one point eight liter uh-huh. motor in it, with a B sixteen transmission, which was really fun to drive. Oh, those gearing that gearing would have been fun on that engine. And uh, I commuted like forty five minutes a day in that thing, and it burned oil like crazy. <laughs> like, I literally used to keep quarts of oil in the back. And I would be driving down the freeway <laughs> at like, you know, normal highway speed. And I would hit a bump and my oil light would flash. <laughs> and I was like, so I'm like, uh, that's not good. So I would literally like turn off the freeway. I would dump a quart of oil in it and then I would drive it. And like, it just went like that for like <laughs> probably a, a good year or so. So you get gas, and, top it off of oil, it, get gas, <laughs> top it off. Yeah, wow. exactly. And uh, finally put a B16 into it. And then that was a, that would have probably been like 05, 06, maybe. So B16, and, we're, we're talking about like for people who are used to seeing those prices now, um, uh, kind of an expensive swap, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, my first. My first B sixteen, I think I bought that swap for like a thousand bucks, dude. <laughs> Maybe fifteen hundred. Wow. Well, like, and I think, I, oh yeah, it was around fifteen hundred. I think it was missing a couple little things, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, at that time, that was like they were everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you could ask a buddy or like send a text message of like, hey, anybody have a B sixteen? And like, like two or could, three would show up. Yeah. And I literally, at one point, I remember I sold a B16 block for $100 Fuck. running. 
like they had virtually no value for a, a period of time. Yeah, that was when the <laughs> D series were being given away. Like, oh, are yeah. you gonna come and b- pick it up? Yeah, it's yours. Like, we, yeah, yeah, no money. Nobody pays money it, for this. Yeah, you were doing them a favor by getting it out of their garage because they were tired of looking at it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and then that was like that was really when like you know super you look at like a uh, issue of super street and it was everything jdm and it was oh, so yeah. then it was just for me it was like okay like let's let's go that route because i knew that i didn't want well, i wasn't going to commute that car forever and i wanted to own a nicer car and mm-hmm. even though mine was still like half pink because you know how red <laughs> civics yeah. just fade yeah uh, yeah so, <laughs> Uh, so I still wanted to have nice parts on it. And I had like, I had like the full JDM interior at one point. And mm, those are uh, nice though. The like JDM interiors on the EGs they're I don't know why, but it's just like something timeless about it. Kind of like the EFs with the JDM like interior. I, I've always liked them. Yeah. And it just, it just seemed to work. And then, mm-hmm. Like the same thing. I mean, you used to be able to buy like a whole JDM interior was like five hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it was like six or seven if you could find a black one. Oh um, yeah, the black one was where it was at. But yeah, I mean, it was just one of those things that it's like it's cool. And I was living at home. I was like not early twenties. I had a full time job, so like money yeah so it's like if there's ever a time in your life like that was the time and so yeah i just like dove into it and it got to the point where i was like well now i i don't want to drive this thing every day now it's like the type r is too nice yeah and so it just sort of sat in my dad's garage and then i i ended up moving down south for work for a few years so it just mm-hmm. sat for a couple years um and then yeah after after at that point i had like a better job and i was doing a little bit better and then i bought the type r did one track day and was like you know what i know the type r was made for this but i'm not i'm not in a spot financially where i can just go beat this thing up and, um, and for those that don't again because we we are a little bit of the older generation when you say a type r we're not talking about an fk8 uh we're yeah, talking about no. a, the the original only type r that we had in the u.s which was the dc2 chassis yeah the good one the good one oh, the <laughs> thing is so nice um and you know and i bought it as a daily driver same thing they were expensive but yeah, but not nobody, like now nobody knew those things were going to fetch the kind of money that they no. are now yeah and I think I put, I think I put like 50,000 miles on my car and I sold it. I sold it for like 12 or 12, five. Yeah. And, and that's not a ridiculous number. I remember I was looking at a type R, um, and it was like 14 or 15 and it was like a black one, a really nice looking one, but yeah, they they weren't that expensive at a time. Like you could get them for like mid teens uh, back in the day. Yeah, and it was, and the same thing, like, parts were super accessible. There was nothing, like, unless you wanted, like, some super hard-to-get, like, 
whatever it would have been um like but even then it was like oh i want a spoon gauge cluster and you could just go and buy them <laughs> it wasn't like it's like some five thousand dollar gauge cluster like mm-hmm. it, none of the the stuff that is happening right now was a thought in anyone's brain like no, it just, i mean i i would have bought way more stuff i, I would have bought like so much more stuff that was available like at least two type bars and sold them for 30 grand and just been like yep yeah well it's funny so just before a few months back before we did that lucky dog race i took off um the the mirror so i feel like if you see a an older civic every single one of them has like a spoon style mirror on it oh yeah yeah yeah. so the mirrors that are on my car are original first gen spoon mirrors oh no like yeah, they're like legit. I'm the only, I bought them brand new for like three hundred bucks. They're probably worth a thousand bucks now. Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, it was just one of those things that I was like, oh, those are cool, and they're they didn't even. It was like before they even made knockoffs. So that's it, right. Oh man, before knockoffs <laughs> were made, we're really dating ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you it, can't get an eBay uh, one that will fit correctly, dude? <laughs> Dude, uh, these have like the trim around the glass and everything like damn you know it, it, but it was just because like and then i remember people like everybody i know was like you spent three hundred dollars on oh, yeah. side mirrors oh yeah like it, that yeah that was stupid yeah like why was... would you ever do that mm-hmm. uh but yeah i mean so it was just i think that's part of why like people look at my car and go oh man he's got nice parts it's not because I like spending money on all of this like JDM stuff. Well, I did at, for a period of time, but it mm-hmm. used to just be so accessible. Yeah, definitely. Like, I I couldn't afford to like build an EG now and buy those mirrors for like what they're going for. Yeah, no, it's uh, kind of wild at, at that point for for those kind of prices. And so, when you were building your car up, you never really had the idea of I'm building it up for a spec series or something like that. And I remember no. we were talking, um, and the conversation came up from uh, originally what it was uh, HFF challenge, and now it's Honda Time Attack challenge um, with uh, Speed Ventures. And <laughs> it's all right, man. Um, <laughs> And you, along with, uh, again, people who've been on this uh, podcast, uh, Ill Will and um, Kevin Burke, um, came together with obviously a lot of other people and created this uh, Time Attack series. So tell me about uh, the, the start of it. Yeah, so um, it was so Honda Time Attack Challenge or HTAC. Um, came about very organically and myself uh will nick catman and brandon we're all sort of we all we've all sort of come and gone over the years as far as like okay i'll take care of this and then you do that and we just sort of would bounce responsibility around uh and then kevin and dustin and ryan on the s2k challenge side of things we're sort of doing the same thing and i think being a volunteer based series Mm -hmm. um you know 
you get burnt out doing stuff or we all have jobs and we all have this stuff. So yeah. it's like, okay, tonight I have to do this. And then you have like a long day at work and then you have to come home and do a bunch of other stuff uh, for free. It, it, as much as we all wanted to do it and we always were pretty excited to do stuff, it just, it's tiring. It um, is. And so a couple of years ago, we were at an event at Button Willow and I was doing whatever and Ryan from S2K Challenge I think had just put some gas in his car and was cruising by my pit space and was like hey come to my garage when you get a chance like okay so I walked down there and him and Dustin are sitting there and he's like hey do you want to merge HFF and S2K Challenge together and I was like yeah okay (laughs) and (laughs) it it really happened that fast like it went from like an idea that got thrown out in a text message or something at one point to, mm-hmm. okay, we could do this. We're starting a new group chat and we could hash this stuff out pretty, pretty quickly. So, uh, yeah, we've, we've taken a lot of good feedback from people, uh, from competitors. Mm-hmm. We've taken what we've all learned and Ryan's very good with the data side of it. So mm. it's, for us, the hardest thing is writing one set of rules that will cover 30 plus years of cars. Yeah. And then all of the configurations, because it wasn't like when we wrote the rules for HFS, not everybody had a K series in their car. And now everybody does. And, and that now everybody changes does. the car completely, especially the golden era ones. Yeah, so there was a some fine tuning, but separately we were both pretty dialed in on the rules. So yeah, um, I mean, you guys have it, been around for a while. You know what makes a car kind of quick and what you know works and what doesn't work. And yeah, one of the things that I've really appreciated uh, from one of from rule standpoint and classing the way that you guys do and. Um, I really appreciate the thoughtfulness this has gone into it. And for those that heard uh, the previous podcast with Andy Hope and when we touched on safety, um, was how you guys really used a carrot for um, influencing people to, to run uh, more safety equipment. So the rule, set, the rule set as you guys have it, um, how does that work in terms of using a quote-unquote carrot for competitors well right now and i'll be honest i'm kind of on my summer break and i've (laughs) i've i've pushed a lot of this out of my brain over the past couple months um so let's just bring it all back bring the trauma (laughs) back (laughs) but but yeah i mean just like a, a way that we like to do it especially with with hff when that when we were kind of developing that that rule set um was that we encouraged safety. So it's, it's a point-based system. Mm-hmm. So for anyone that doesn't know, it's like if you're using any, like a, a 200 treadwear tire that whatever, it might be this many points. Or if you're using, taking this much weight out of your car, it's this many. So it's you're basically calculating points based on what you've done in your car. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with HFF, it was, now we get to the end of the the point system and it's do you have a five point harness 
and rollover protection, mm -hmm. deduct a point. Do you have a Hans device? Deduct a point. So um, we tried to, I guess you could say incentivize it, mm -hmm. but more just encourage people to be safe. Yeah. Um, and by getting, by essentially making your car safer, you are able to free up some points, which then would maybe let you do a little bit more aero, or mm -hmm. maybe you could run the next tire compound up or, you know, obviously every car would be a little bit different, but, um, in the end, the idea is if you're going to do something for fun, mm -hmm. but you could also potentially die, uh, let's, let's take this with a little bit of seriousness. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's do something to encourage people to go have fun and do everything that they want to do, but do it in the safest way possible. Yeah, and, so. and the way that you guys, uh, at least the, the, I haven't seen the most recent rule set like you. Uh, we're also on our summer break, and um, I'm also like just like kind of traumatized from the wrenching and consistent uh, like pace <laughs> and working in the 100-degree weather. But, you know, there's so much information out there, and I know people who know rules and know uh safety stuff they'll they'll go ahead and say yeah it's obvious what is good safety and what is quote-unquote bad safety uh, information but it's nice that you outline it and kind of you know push people to do the bucket seat with the four point with the uh five point um or the four point roll cage with the with the five point harness and having all of those things working uh, together so that hopefully they're not doing those weird mix, mix mash where you're just running with just a bucket seat. So yeah, I, I appreciate that for, you know, our golden era Hondas because they're not that strong. They're, yeah. The tin cans. Oh man. <laughs> Super tinny. Yeah. So it, it's just, you know, and it's, I've probably told the story to everybody I know, mm -hmm. but like my very first track event ever um, was at Buttonwillow clockwise 13. And the car in front of me is an older RX seven um, at the exit of Riverside went off sideways in the dirt, mm -hmm. went end over end. Like, so being your first track day, you're already sort of on like sensory overload. There's so much, there's so much stuff happening. Mm -hmm. um, and then to literally watch a car get totaled like a hundred feet in front of you or whatever it was. Um, so obviously the track track goes cold. They flew in a helicopter to get this guy. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I, I genuinely don't know what happened to him. And that was like, reality slapped me in the face on my first track day so and i I've, you just you do the same you stuff long enough you see bad moves you see car-to-car -car contact you see errors that result in a crash but uh i think for me it kind of hit me very early on mm -hmm. so uh, because of that it's always just been one of those things that's like if you're going to do it just do it right mm -hmm. like that's that's really at the end of the day. That's all that 
actually matters because it literally might save your life one day. And it's super easy to forget how dangerous that it can be or like fire. I mean, look at that's like the scariest of everything. And that can happen for so many different reasons Mm. and things that may be out of your control. And like, you know, it's just, yeah, it's worth it to just spend the money, do it right. Yeah. And I mean, I know that you ran a lucky dog, so you had to buy a fire suppression system. And I know that lucky dog kind of requires you to get the next size up or the bigger, um, SFI rated, a uh, fire suppression bottle, mm-hmm. but you know, like after seeing, um, I don't know if you knew him or anything like that, but, uh, track monsters, his, uh, Integra, when it caught on fire and we had him on the podcast talking about that, it's such a wild, like scenario to be stuck in. And, um, you know the the kits aren't that expensive. I think uh, you could get the like Clubman the two point five liter one from, I think any any seller now uh, that sells safety equipment. It's like a buck fifty or a buck seventy because I forget how much the kits are, but some of the more cost effective ones are like close to two hundred bucks. I think. Yeah, they're really not that bad, and the peace of mind that goes along with it oh, yeah. is, is worth way more than, than the cost of it. Um, I have the one I have in my car. I actually put in quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, mine's a lifeline system. And I yeah. think it's the, I want to say it's like the three liter uh yeah size i I think yours is the three liter because that's what's like required because we had to do the same one for uh lemons for our uh corolla that we were racing with and Mm -hmm. yeah that one's like the minimum requirement for that and And, yeah i I got mine a few years ago and it was i think mine was like 300 something dollars um it has four nozzles so Mm -hmm. it's like i've got two pointed at the driver and I've got two in the engine bay Mm -hmm. and I've got a lever that I can reach next to the steering wheel. And there's a lever that somebody else can reach from the passenger window. And you know, it's, I mean, fire is just one of those things. It's so scary, man. It really is so scary. Yeah. Like there is, there's not many things that will like, put you in check. Like it's, it's so mm-hmm. easy to talk about like, yeah. Oh, well I could have a mechanical issue and put my car into a wall or I mm-hmm. could roll. Like that's, that's a chance you take driving to work every day. Exactly. Like, exactly. Like that. But when you start like moving fuel filters or doing this kind of stuff and everything is as heat soaked as it gets when mm-hmm. you're on track, like the tiniest little nothing could could destroy everything well yeah i mean i have a lot of friends who are drifters and the biggest thing that like they always deal with is uh power steering fluid um getting onto Mm -hmm. the headers and the flash point of power steering fluid is not as you know it's not as high as other liquids uh like oil yeah I, i might be wrong about that but 
I've seen that be a, a an issue with my buddies, and and just to correct myself, I'm looking at Sube Sports, and it's two seventy four for the two point five Clubman mechanically uh, released uh, one. So yeah, again, safety's usually not the s- sexiest thing out there, but it it is such peace of mind, and like for both you and me who deal with uh, other people driving the car like you did with uh <laughs> yeah it, it it makes you feel safer knowing that yeah i've turned all the wrenches on there and if i messed up there is still like a little bit of a safety net yeah and it's just one of those little things that and it's like a, you and i have talked about this before mm-hmm. where every i can i can honestly say that everything I've ever done to increase the safety in my car, I've ultimately gone faster. Mm -hmm. So you gain that level of trust Mm -hmm. back into the car, knowing that, okay, if something does happen, I've done everything I can and I have Mm -hmm. all the right tools to, you know, not, not that a fire system is necessarily going to prevent a car from burning to the ground, but, but it, it'll buy it'll buy you a window to get out of it. And yeah, it's just like you. it's just like wearing fireproof uh, suit and and gloves. It doesn't protect you from ever getting burned, but it gives you time. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that you were mentioning is like these whole safety idea and trying to reward that um, because hopefully we never have to use that. But I remember there was a race earlier this year i think and we had one of our honda challenge drivers go off sideways off of riverside he didn't do an endo but he did a really aggressive barrel roll and snapped like one of the five segan uh wheels that he had just like Mm -hmm. from the rotational uh force of it and you know because it's wheel to wheel and the requirement for safety is uh pretty high um he got out and he was fine like he was roughed up but you know with having that neck protection and having all of those things there it showed like right there like yeah the car's total but he's walking around and we're talking to him and he's he's fine he may be like a little dizzy but that's it and yeah on all honesty i mean we have like literal back-to-back comparison of you're going off in Riverside experience with uh, your the car in front of you, and then we have this guy who had the safety equipment, and yeah, there's a big barrier of difference of entry, if you will, but there's two very different scenarios at the end. One of them's getting lifelined in a helicopter, and the other person is hanging out, chilling. Yes. And it's shitty. It's shitty. I, I don't like seeing people get hurt. I'm sure you don't either. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's a it's a traumatic experience. So yeah, it's hopefully we get more people to look into these uh, systems. And you know, if you guys ever need help and picking stuff up, you know, reach out to Jared or me, and we can point you in the right uh, direction. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's just at the end of the day, there's always that learning curve like anything else where, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of it too. And like, I, yeah. I, I, 
I've tracked my car with a bucket seat and a three-point horn or like a regular seat belt. Same here. Uh, at one point, I had a harness and a bucket seat with a harness bar. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, yeah, everyone's going to do it. I think it's just, I also think it's one of those things that people don't like to ask. No, no one, most car guys don't like to ask for help. I think that's just sort of yeah. in, inherent of whether it be ego or yeah. uh, whatever. But, you know, just a good reference is just look at a NASA wheel-to-wheel car mm-hmm. or even, like, Champ car. Yeah, they're all... Lemons. I mean, they all hold a very high level of safety. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it it's worth it. I know it's not easy. It's, it's It isn't. But, I, I mean, prices here. are so much cheaper nowadays than they were back in the day because you have so many manufacturers making things nowadays. I'm sure... Yeah. You, you and I are are very like appreciated or appreciative of like how how cheap some of the entry level stuff has gotten. I mean, it is yeah. really nice. Yeah, especially since I think it was a year or two ago, um, the Hans the rights to produce mm-hmm. Hans has been opened up to other companies. So you've you've got Hans and you've got. Stroth and stand 21 and now you have options and mm. materials like do you want a plastic one or do you want like a a five ounce carbon, carbon one fiber like one? if you yeah. want to go full fancy boy yeah so <laughs> they all do the same thing yeah you can get one and it you know mm-hmm. it's uh i also i got us pretty lucky a couple of years ago uh i got asked to sit in on a safety seminar uh, mm-hmm. At the Long Beach Grand Prix. Oh no way! Which, which was very cool to be a part of. Um, and I didn't. I think we were, we were supposed to get up and speak. I was with. I was doing it with Ibach, and uh, oh, I awesome. was. It was my. It was kind of cool to see. I think I have a photo of it somewhere up on the board of like people that were going to be talking. It was me and uh, <laughs> Wil- and Wil- Wilfred Ibach. Oh wow! Uh, so we basically just went and we sat there and listened through this whole thing, and then we had a video that we did, but um, I got to listen to guys from IndyCar mm-hmm. and people that had worked at different, different event organizers at different levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talk about like, they basically, the whole thing was like talking about when, when it all went wrong. Like, yeah. Oh, we all love racing. We all love watching this and it's great. But what happens when, that guy hits the wall like what happens next Mm -hmm. kind of thing and what happens to your body and um for me that was like that old tv show scared straight yeah where like they would just like scare those little kids and from being punks like Mm -hmm. i was like oh my gosh like Mm -hmm. when when you don't have a hans device and you hit a wall like that's what happens like it's gruesome Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. people think that it's like out of a movie where you get whiplash and then you just just quietly go but like no it's not like that at all it's it's bad and gruesome and so just learning about that stuff like you're it, it's a real wake-up call yeah i mean there's no nice way of putting it around there that you know what we're doing is dangerous and you want to have a good brain bucket if you will whatever helmet you decide going with um you you know you want to 
I, I think I forget who it was that told me that, but you want to buy the most expensive uh, safety equipment that you can afford. Like you want to like whatever your budget is for safety, like you want to reach that one. You don't want to cut cheap on uh, safety things because, yeah, like yeah. Th- that's that's something that, you know, when you need it, you're, you're going to need it. And I mean, we just talked about guy in an rx7 going off and another racer going off and how different the results are and yeah it's rough yeah i've also learned like i've bought most of like i have a few underlayers so even before i was wearing like a full fire suit mm-hmm. i would wear a nomex long sleeve with a t-shirt over it mm-hmm. um and websites like safe racer and some of these like online Mm. retailers they all have clearance sections oh dude yeah and let's talk about deals where to find the deals i'm (laughs) like i have a very hard time spending like a hundred and sixty dollars on what looks like a long sleeve shirt yeah um and i've honestly looked around and i have found stuff for like 40 bucks before and that's a a couple yeah that's a big thing like really looking for things to lower the cost like that's huge yeah a couple years ago um now granted they are pretty heavy weight they're not like mm-hmm. the most modern things but uh momo had a clearance sale oh and i bought tops for like 29 bucks or something crazy <laughs> and so i was like i'll take two of those and i bought two <laughs> bottom layers and like so when I found deals, I would buy like two of whatever I could get mm-hmm. and then hope, you know, best case scenario, I'll just wear mine. And then those things get gross anyway. And mm-hmm. at a certain point I'll just get rid of it and have a new one. Um, but yeah, when it comes to safety stuff, there's always deals to be had. And yeah. there's always like, it's like almost like any other clothing brand where it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, well that that's last season's. No. Oh, yeah. It's, when they change out models, that's when you got to go shop, man. Yeah. So it's not always as expensive as, I mean, it, it can, and it can be crazy expensive. Oh yeah. But it, but it doesn't have to be for like mm-hmm. the regular, I work a nine to five and I like going to the track on the weekends. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be crazy expensive to do things pretty safely. Yeah. I mean, in terms of fire retardant, you, well, Nomex is like kind of the standard that you want to use, but any like organic um, compounds that aren't like those mesh of like poly, uh, I forget what it is, uh, but the anything that's like super stretchy, that's not going to be good because those things tend to melt. Yeah. So like I've had really good success with underneath my multi-layer suit uh, wearing... Um, um, what is it? Uh, linen pants. Because you can have linen pants, and those are not going to melt onto you. So the yeah, it, and those aren't that expensive. I buy them from freaking Amazon for like twenty five bucks, and you know if if nothing else, like you try and build yourself. If you can't afford a racing suit, like try and go with that, and you know try and look for the most cost effective thing. Like you know. It'd be nice to get a suit and everything, but if you can't, at least get the best that you can afford. Yeah. And it's, I think it, 
I, I think I've probably said this a hundred times also. <laughs> it's where like a, a, quite some time ago, probably seven or eight years ago, um, I was walking through the paddock at Button Willow and I was talking to Andy Hope. And I think this was like, this was right around the time when Rays had introduced the TE-37 in the 15 by 8. When that was like... Oh, the like hot that, hotness. That was like the hotness of, of that year of like everybody had a 15 by 8 TE-37 on their car. And it just super casually, we're walking in. I remember Andy saying, if you have TE-37s on your car, but you don't have a Hans device, mm-hmm. you're your priorities are wrong or what, you know, whatever, however exactly it was worded, but it was just like, Oh yeah, you're right. And I had no, I, it was just in passing. Like it wasn't even mm-hmm. a thing. And then, but it holds its weight. You know, you're like for what you spend on a set of nice wheels. Now mm-hmm. you could literally go buy a full fire suit under layers. Mm-hmm. Like you could, you could get everything. And for those of you that are in the SoCal region, here's a little secret. Stand 21, which is pretty much, I consider the baller of ballers yes. for, for stuff. They do have used suits for sale. And I've seen them go as low as 700. So if you know what a Stand 21 suit goes for, that's another great way of uh, getting a good suit. Because those are very breathable. And, you know... Suits can, you know, suck the moisture out of you. They don't breathe. They can be a, kind of a performance hindering thing on there. And if you get a Stand 21 one, those things are really, really nice, like pajamas almost. That's probably what yeah. I'm going to end up doing and replacing the heavy black suit that I have. Yeah, I think they have a they have a branch, I think, in Huntington Beach that I think yep. you can go to. Yep, I've been um, there a couple times. Yeah, and yeah, their stuff is super nice. Yeah. Like, I I have a Stan Twenty One helmet bag, and it's like, a, like it's like a fleece sleeve though. It's not even a real bag. Yeah, but yeah, those guys definitely they're they're good people. But what they do is like, it is it's as good as it gets. Yeah, in, it's, in that uh, world. Yeah, and they're very the underrated too. Oh yeah. yeah and, yeah, they're they're not like the hype brand, mm-hmm. but you look at it and it's like okay. And then you you, you notice it like at Le Mans, you'll yeah. see like a random twenty one logo or mm-hmm. well now that they're doing Hans devices, literally I think like Lewis Hamilton uses a stand twenty one Hans device. Yeah, I mean uh, and a, all their stuff is like top notch quality. Yeah. Yeah, one day. That's that's sort of my bucket list <laughs> suit. Is it like one day I'll have like a custom stitched Stan Twenty One suit? Yeah, for me it's going to be a used one. I'm not going to go um, with a custom one because yeah. man, that is that is just bucks beyond yeah. compare. I, I'm down for anything that doesn't look too dumb uh, <laughs> from, yeah. from the clearance that's why rack. It's my, yeah, that's why it's a bucket list thing. It's yeah, not you got that's, yeah, not on the short list of things <laughs> to to purchase. But yeah, I mean, so right now you're in a, a bit of a, what is it, like a pause for a Honda Time Attack uh, challenge. Um, but you're also doing Lucky Dog with uh, Will and who else? 
Will and Mark Krumi. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mark's a longtime buddy of mine and originally from Ohio. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, our head of marketing at IBOC. Mm-hmm. Um, also, he owns a 98 Type R. So he's he's a longtime, oh, Honda, yeah. longtime Honda guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few years ago, Mark and I also went through our NASA licensing program together. So Mark, I can confidently say of, of anyone I've ever driven with, I would, I would drive harder and closer with him than mm-hmm. anybody. Um, just because I did all those exercises and all of the classroom work and, yeah. you know, you know how that, that whole process is, but, uh, him and I did that together. So, yeah, you really build a bond with people that you go wheel to wheel with. I mean, uh, I, I don't know, like it feels really weird, but it's a different experience. Once you can go too wide with somebody in the corner, it's, it's like a, I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing that you gain so much respect and, um, I don't know, comfort. Yeah. And I think we were kind of a unique class because we did our class on Streets of Willow, which I don't think they use that track very often. No, they don't. Wait, when did you do yours? (laughs) Uh, This probably would have been... 2017 <laughs> okay so the, the listeners out there know that i did my racing school in 2017 at streets of willow and oh i think we were at the same one <laughs> did we we could have been there i i was in my <clears throat> civic it looked a little bit differently i <clears throat> think um mark was in his type r i believe hmm there was also, you would probably remember, so uh, there was a white Porsche cup car. I think so. There was also this crazy BMW E36, like, uh, time attack car, like something with, like, outrageous arrow and really loud. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many of those, I don't know how many of those uh, events oh. they did or, but... As far as I remember, that was one of the few times they ever did events at streets because they they didn't. I don't know why, but they just don't like doing that track. I, I don't think they make enough since they don't do wheel to wheel competition there. Yeah, and even I mean, I thought it was kind of weird too. But we were able to get mm-hmm. in on pretty short notice, and they were super accommodating, trying to like help me kind of push through mm-hmm. uh, the HPD programs and. So it was like, yeah, we can do it, but it's got to be right now, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let me see. I, how do you like going the three wide at streets before the repave? So anybody that's listening, this is before the repave. Yeah, it was tight. Well, I don't. I'll be totally honest. I don't like streets willow at all. Like, oh my I god, did we just become good friends now? <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I I don't like streets. I can honestly say I've never had like a day at that track where I left going like, yeah, that was a that was a good day. Like I really Same. I really made an improvement or like I don't know what it is. I don't dislike it so much. I just don't enjoy it. 
Yeah, so, I mean, given the opportunity, if somebody says, hey, streets are big willow, I'm like, big willow all day. Yeah. Um, streets are even horse thief miles. I'm like, I'll do horse thief. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've actually never driven horse thief. I've done a ride along mm-hmm. uh, in a drift car on horse thief. Yeah, that's what it's mainly used for. It's a drift uh, out there. So it's. It's wild. Um, yeah. Yeah. And actually, I just looked it up. It was November of 2017. Oh, man. That's funny. At, at Streets of Willow was when Mark and I did our, our program. Yeah. So. I, 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 without, you know, being too far off, I think I think we did it at the same time, actually, now that we're, we're hitting this. It's kind of wild. Yeah. So at that point, I had every intention of going on the challenge. And that's what I was, mm-hmm. I was putting the car together to be an H2 car. And oh, yeah. from, from the outside, I was just like, oh, it's good. Because I, I had been to dozens mm-hmm. of, of Honda challenge races over the years. I had helped some guys like way back. And so I was like, okay, if I'm going to do it, it's going to be an H2 car. And as I'm doing this, I didn't know that H2 was actually phasing out because um, mm-hmm. I wasn't really in, I was in the process of like putting a car together, not really actively following or, or I wasn't engaged with the series. So mm-hmm. uh, basically by the time I got the car together, it was like, yeah, H2 is gone. It's dead. Every, yeah. Everyone's going to H4. And I was like, mm-hmm. I've already got like a garage full of B series <laughs> parts. Like I'm not. I'm not going to go back. And then yeah. I was like, okay, well, an H2 car will drop into like ST4 or with, Oof. Yeah. with where I was. Yeah. With, with the, at the time, cause it had a type R motor in it and it was pretty light. So I would have, I would have had to have ballast it pretty heavily for H2. But, um, I was like, and then I was talking to Graham Downey and mm-hmm. he's like, dude, you're going to get eaten alive in ST4. Like, if if you're gonna go there, then yeah. like you need cams. You're gonna need a fresh set of Hoosiers every weekend. Like, and I was like, well, they're they're that sort of defeats and like, I, yeah. If I had the budget to do that, great. I mean, I would would love to be able to do that, but uh, that just wasn't that wasn't in my budget at all. So yeah, no. Then the car kind of sat again, and I've always always wanted to do endurance stuff like that's always been the goal for me like my my real bucket list is bringing my car to the 25 hour dude that is such a good bucket list of like yeah i i would love to do that yeah like i don't care if we get last but like if i can ever finish 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 it yeah yeah uh, if i could (gasps) finish the 25 hour with my car um like mission complete like i'm good like that's you know uh so but then yeah it's like it's hard to get the experience when you don't really fit into a class Mm -hmm. and yeah i could show up and do an st4 and just go turn some laps and get through my provisional Mm -hmm. but then that doesn't actually really gain me much experience yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I, it does and it doesn't, I guess. But 
I, I wanted to like actually get involved and like, yeah, seat time is I key. Want, yeah, I wanted to race other people, and so hmm. yeah, I kind of postponed it, and then in the meantime, that's when uh, HTAC had come about, and uh, I still make it a point. So I try to go to the twenty five hour every year just Damn. to just to spectate and to take photos and stuff. And um, so this past year we were up there and uh, Adrian, my girlfriend puts up with me and all of <laughs> my stupid ideas. Um, <laughs> so she's like, yeah, I support it. Like, you know, if, if you want to do it, like do it. And so I think it was a week, maybe two weeks after the 25 hour, I was just looking around one night and I saw the lucky dog schedule and I was like, wait, they're going to be at big willow at the mm-hmm. end of April. And I'm like, that's like, I mean, that's enough time where yeah, you can get, prepped. I could, I can get everything together. And it, it's also going to force me to make some of those mm-hmm. little, little changes that need to be done. Yeah. And so I kind of threw the idea out to Mark and he was like, okay, this could work. And then I threw the idea out to Will and Will was just like, yep, let me know. Like, you know, and I was like, okay, so those two guys, they're friends of mine and I trust them. And Mm -hmm. letting someone else drive your car is something I had never done. And you actually witnessed the first time that that ever happened when Mark was driving my car. And uh, I was at Grid Life and I had some terrible analogy of like, it's like sending my kid off to college or something. Cause Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I've owned this car for like almost mm-hmm. 20 years. I'm the only one that's driven it in the mm-hmm. last 20 years. And as much as I trust you, there's that initial letting go. And that like, uh, the, yeah, you, you can't just put your finger on it, but it's just like that, that feeling where you're just like, ah, yeah. And so, Mark Mark drove it. We found some issues, and then we did another test day uh, at Big Willow, where the three of us were able to drive it. And we basically went through it. So I went. So I pulled uh, my Type R engine out of the car for that. Oh and yeah, I remember you were running the the B sixteen, right? Yeah. So I went back to a B sixteen. It's a motor that, like, financially, I'm the least uh, in debt to on, on that motor. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, the, the Type R motor is running good. It's strong. Let's keep that. And then let's risk this other one just in case. Mm-hmm. So I, like, refreshed the, the B16, had it retuned. We put power steering back in the car. Yeah. Um, we had to we had to figure out seats. So we mm-hmm. all kind of agreed that we didn't want to use a slider in the car. Yeah. Um, but Will and I are similar in height. He's skinnier and Mark is a little shorter than I am. So I like, I made a, the dead pedal is like a step. So it's like Mark can reach the first level and Will and I can use the next level. And oh, I see trying to do things so that we could and then mark made his own like foam insert Mm. um so trying to make one car 
fit three different size people comfortably is really difficult. Yeah. Um, and then we found a mirror position. So I put just some like OEM mirrors back on it mm-hmm. with like the blue convex thingies to make oh, them yeah, as wide yeah. as possible. Um, and then we all kind of agreed like, okay, we we're okay with this mirror position. And then I, I hot glued the mirrors in place. Um, <laughs> just like, just because I'm like, these things, I don't know. They're probably going to move. Like, yeah. Um, so just all these little, all these little things that mm-hmm. like, that's part of what I love going to the 25 hour for is just looking at the cars and the little, the little things that people do that, whether that saves them a couple seconds on a pit stop or it's just things driver comfort. Yeah. Yeah. So I, there was times where I literally would just scroll back through photos from like three or four years ago. Um, and just looking at cars. So like, what does this do? Mm-hmm. And then like, how does this work? And so I spent probably six nights a week <laughs> for like four months straight on the car. Like I just believe it. every, I, I literally, I dropped the entire subframe out. Like every nut and bolt on that car was checked, mm-hmm. torqued and marked. Like I knew 100% that I had done everything I could possibly do to make that car work to the best of my abilities. And it's it, the, the lucky, it was an eight hour race on the first day and a seven hour on the second. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, we all agreed. The three of us basically said, if we can each get one stint in the car, then we'll leave here happy yeah. because we had no, it's my car still has a stock fuel tank in it. Yeah. Um, so we were anticipating about an hour per, per stint and it's an old Honda. So it gets fuel slosh and mm-hmm. that issue. And so we basically just said, okay, we've done what we can keep it clean. We were in the slowest class. Like we, we made it a point to in the qualifying, like we didn't even attempt <laughs> to put down. Like, I think like my technical qualifying time, I think was like, I don't know, like a one forty-seven or a 48 oh, or wow. something. Like <laughs> it was just like, we were like full back of the grid. Like <laughs> I, this was just like, yeah, let's just, my whole goal is like, if we're only trying to get one tank of gas each, then I just need to keep the car clean for an hour so I can mm-hmm. hand it off to Mark. And, and and just to interrupt you, I am looking at video right now of my comp school that I posted up. And in front of me, there is a ready G. Yes. <laughs> we did comp school together, That's bro. That's so funny. <laughs> I l- Oh man, we we could talk about a moment in there, and uh, we'll we'll see if we share that moment, um, because it, it was a significant moment in, at the comp school that I know wasn't well. We'll we'll talk about that later, but yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll do my best. I don't remember a lot of it. I was, yeah, but but so how how did your uh, endurance end up? Where did you guys end up finishing? So the car ran amazing mm-hmm. for eight hours straight um we didn't have a there was no hiccups the car awesome. like um my water temp so if, if i've gotten anything right on that car i feel like it's the <laughs> cooling system 
um, the water temps never got out of like the one eighties. Awesome. Full size radiator and, will do that. Nice. Yeah. Um, oil pressure never came out of the seventies and oil temp was under 200 the entire race. Awesome. Like it just went. And so, uh, we ended up, we, we were in the slower class. So like, mm-hmm. had we really been making an effort, we would have actually raced Carlos and Carla <laughs> in the EF. Uh, and so, yeah, we ended up fourth in class. Um, we did a little, just over 200 laps and we finished 13th overall. <clears throat> and I think at that race, there was like 40, 48, maybe 49 cars that started. Mm-hmm. So like, we were like, okay, like this is. Yeah. No, for is, your first this, time out. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So we ended up in, so it, it was really fun and I felt bad because there was a, they red flagged the race for a period of time mm-hmm. and Will got the short end of that stick. And oh. He, he basically had to do like the first half of his stint with a caution flag through turn two. Um, and then they red flagged it. And then that counts because with lucky dog, mm-hmm. you're only allowed two hours max in the car. Oh, okay. So they don't want uh, people iron manning it. Right. So even though he's, he only used like three quarters of a tank, mm-hmm. um, but almost hit his two hours with the red flag. But then when he, we were the second car, when, when the race went green again, we were the second car mm-hmm. uh, out of the pits and watching through the video. It's fun. Cause you just know that there's like literally like 35 cars behind Will. Um, <laughs> and then, he put down the fastest lap of our group. So like we were just, this is amazing. Like this is just working (laughs) way too well. And, uh, Mark got in the car for his last in probably about 15 or 20 minutes in. He's like coming down, like at the base, like coming down the Omega and you can see it in the video, full steering input, and the car just launches off the side of the track. Oh, no. Um, and he's on the radio like, hey, something is wrong with this thing. I don't I don't know what's going on, but something is wrong with this thing. So he brings it back in. We pop the hood. We're crawling around. We're like, we don't see anything wrong with this car. Hmm. Just And at this point, there's like, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes left in the race. So we're like, just, just go drive it. Like, whatever we're, we're way too deep into this thing now to mm-hmm. like go behind the wall and start trying to sort stuff out. So he keeps going. Um, and literally as the checkered flag comes out, Mark is, well, he's probably between seven and turn seven and eight when the flag mm-hmm. came out as he's going through eight or to the exit of eight, he's on the radio and he's like, something is definitely broken in this car oh like something is wrong and we're like it doesn't even matter like you could coast across the finish line right now (laughs) so he finishes the race on the cool down lap uh i don't know who was driving the the orange ef Mm. during that stint but um they could see it basically the car puffed out a big thing of smoke and you could hear it in the video of just stuff 
the car's losing whatever it was losing. So comes back in, it's clanking around. It's we're like, oh man, that's rough. And we look at it and we're like, I think you broke the diff. So oh. it's you you jack the car up, only one wheel turns. We're kind of crawling around. It turned out that the axle, the dri- driver oh, side. I remember this because yeah, uh, the famous uh, Instagram video you made with uh, my buddy John Lundeman uh, checking your play for your wheel bearing. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't well, a wheel bearing issue? No. So we, we fortunately fixed that. Um, but the inside, the inboard axle um, on the driver side failed. Mm. So we were all so exhausted and it was getting windy and the sun was going down and we kind of looked at it and went, yeah, like I think the diff is gone. Well, had we actually crawled under there and like really like got our hands into it, we would have seen that it was just an axle Mm -hmm. that failed. But we were also like, you guys, we just did an eight hour, (laughs) like on our first go around, like our first attempt at this. Dude, nothing. And yeah, super proud. Yeah. I was like, I don't care. I was like, I can go home right now. I don't. (laughs) You won. (laughs) Yeah. That was, that was a full fledged victory for me. Yeah. And looking back, had we, I had spare axles, but (laughs) the axles that I had probably wouldn't have gone a full another day anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like some like 20 year old OEM axles that have been rebuilt and re-greased like a dozen times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if those even would have been able to go the distance on them anyway. They, but, they, uh, they would. I mean, dude, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm racing on AutoZone. Um, not AutoZone. Currently I have one AutoZone axle and one Rock Auto axle on my EG. So yeah. You're, you're really? fine. Do you change the grease in them? Nah, bro. I just yeah. What? <laughs> Man. I don't have any power either, so that's probably helping me out keep them alive. Um, I'm probably gonna have to do some uh, changes to that. But yeah, I have like a fifty dollar uh-huh. axle on one because the boot ripped, and then the other one I got from AutoZone. So the Rock Auto one has done the entire ser- the entire year. Uh, with Honda Challenge and then uh, doing double stint with time trials with my fiance and uh, yeah, so the, man, that's that's wild. I've had <laughs> nothing but bad luck with those. Yeah, I, maybe I, it's because you make power. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't know. I've I have like and Carlos runs I've, the same thing. Man, I should go back to a single can. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jared, man. Well, so what's uh, what's next? What's the next uh, event you're going to be doing? Uh, we're planning to do Lucky Dog at Chuckwalla in mm. October. Oh, I think uh, Carlos will be out there doing that one as well because they're going to yeah. be taking the EF as well. Yeah, it's funny. I actually was talking to him like a week or so ago and mm-hmm. he said that they'll probably be doing that one. And, um, yeah, it's it's funny. I haven't touched the car since it came off the trailer. It's covered in dust. It's, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's kind of funny. It's When I got the car home, mm-hmm. it wouldn't start. So I had to push it into the garage and like I had to get like Adrian and my next door neighbor had to help me push it into the garage. <laughs> and it was like 
you know, swallow, swallow your pride. Cause yesterday you just finished an eight hour, <laughs> but, but now you you're to, just pushing yeah. your, your yeah, car. But, but the next morning you have to get the next door neighbor to help you push it into the garage. <laughs> um, but yeah, awesome. it hasn't, hasn't started. I'm oh. so I recently cleaned out the garage and kind of starting to get back into it. And, um, we're really going on the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it thing. So Good. we're like, the car ran great. Change the fluids. Mm-hmm. Don't mess with anything. We all like this. Put new axles. <laughs> yeah, put new axles in it, and and just go see what it go see what it'll get through mm-hmm. this time. And um, yeah, my it might be the last time I drive with the B series. I don't know. Uh, yeah, we talked about that about the you know ridiculous prices so, of uh, B series stuff and how it just makes more sense to do the case swap just so that you don't, you know, blow up something that could be helpful for another Honda build. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I, I have a block for sale right now and it's like for what I could sell that block for, I could literally go buy like a whole, like half a case swap. So, um, things are kind of leaning that direction, but I also, you know, it's one of those things like, okay, I'm ready. This engine can go. And that, that this B16 will probably be the one that lasts me another two years or something. Exactly. Exactly. It's like so. the one that's not going to give up. <laughs> well, I mean, as you heard in, uh, in the previous uh, podcast with uh, Andy Hope, um, he's never opened that oil pan, supposedly. That's crazy to me. Like, <laughs> Right? That's. Uh, yeah, I guess there's two ways you go. You either like overly meticulous with it, mm-hmm. or you just like just Send let it, it go. Send like it. it's got, o- <laughs> yeah, it's got oil pressure. Cool, go. Like, yeah, I mean, there's a reason why these cars are reliable. But Jared, dude, um, believe it or not, we've done already an hour, and we did oh, way geez. more uh, talking uh, previous to the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I enjoy talking to you, man. Um, if anybody wants to follow you, obviously um, follow you on your Instagram, Jared underscore Reyes. Um, yep. And you can see the Type R block that you have for sale that has a lot of work actually done for it. I mean, usually you see these blocks for sale and they're just kind of like haggard. But I think it's a solid buy for anybody who's looking for them. Yeah, I went overboard on that one. Yeah, I mean, but dude, it's a Type R. <laughs> like, you can really go overboard on these guys. But yeah, well, I'll, that's true. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the link uh, to you and me uh, doing our mock race starts. Um, yes, that's so funny. That... <laughs> but yeah, like as soon as you said, uh, "Oh, streets," I'm like, mm, I I think that's the only time that NASA's done uh, streets. So yeah, yeah. Like, that's so wild and it goes to show you guys uh the world is really small when it comes to uh road racing communities i mean oh yeah yeah it's wild but yeah with that anything else you want to share with the people um no i mean thanks for (laughs) having me on i'm i'm it's it's cool to get asked to do this kind of stuff (laughs) uh i could probably i mean i could talk about this stuff all night so well, I, uh, I enjoy talking to other Honda people and, you know, um, trying to find more people in SoCal and not just be so NASA-centric, but, you know, like like 
most people and what what I keep telling other people is like you talk to the people that you know and respond to you and hence why I asked you to come on because I know you and I, you respond <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I'm I'm happy to do it it's uh hopefully hopefully things will work uh for me to come racing with you guys and some sprint stuff mm-hmm. more I would I would absolutely still love to do Honda Challenge, and I'm kind of excited to see what happens with the rules and mm-hmm. new in, new engine regulations and that kind of stuff on what what's going to be allowed. So yeah, there's been uh, a lot of changes happening. So and I mean, I know there's a lot of people who are still pushing to keep it in H4, but we are literally the last region that's running H4. No other region in the U.S. is running H4. So eventually we're going to have to move to H2 because we need to compete with everybody else and all the other regions. And we can't just let them uh, run unopposed. we got to show them what SoCal's got. Yeah. And I don't know. I think bringing, allowing K-Series or, I mean, I'm not involved with that. So I don't Mm -hmm. know exactly how that'll pan out. But to me, from the outside looking in, that sounds like it would be enticing for more people to get involved. Yeah, especially so, for H4. I think that that would be allowing a, you know, a, a regular K-series, and you can adjust it with weight. Like, it's it's not... I don't think it's something too much to be asked for, but I, I do think the future is running H2 and maybe just having all one one class where it's like Honda Challenge, more of a horsepower to weight ratio bent with some modifiers there. I mean, we all know what makes a Honda fast and the lap times of those cars are really well documented of what they yeah. can and can't do with data logging and everything mm-hmm. that's available now. Like there's, it's just a matter of sorting through everything and kind of figuring out what that recipe is, but every combination's already been done. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to be on the same tire. Like mm-hmm. the, there's definitely an opportunity there to, I think, I hate to say revive because the series is obviously still good, but mm-hmm. I've, I've followed it. I, I dug back through some photos not too long ago and I, I sent some to Carlos cause I'm like, Hey, yeah. is this the car you drive? Cause I have photos of an H2 race at Buttonwillow and mm-hmm. it was like a packed field. Like guys were going through turn two, like four wide oh, yeah. and like, Oh man, if H2 or just Honda Challenge in general could come back to like 15 plus cars starting like for any given weekend, like that's what it should be. And who knows, like maybe opening up the rules a little bit will bring that. Yeah, I mean, that's already the case over in Northeast and Mid Atlantic. They already have ridiculous car counts. I think Mm -hmm. uh, Northeast recently did a race where they had 20 cars listed for Honda Challenge so for h2 so it's just a matter of time um but yeah we need to do a little bit better job of uh recruiting and bringing people in that are interested and you know hopefully in the future that is uh you're one of them and if not then maybe i'll take my car out to do some enduros and see uh play around with you guys there yeah it's i mean i've only done one so far so (laughs) i'm by no means an expert, but yeah, uh, that was definitely an eye opener for me. As mm-hmm. like, we knew it was going to go one of two ways. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it was going to be like, okay, I got out of my system. Or it was going to be like, oh, man, we're, we're I, needed, doing this. I need to do this again. <laughs> Looks like so, we're doing this. And so, yeah, I want a couple of those a year. I mean, I would love to get a, get the car sorted and into mm-hmm. like where it could comfortably fall within mm-hmm. a NASA class. Well, there um, is the Trek series, so you can always race in that one. And I'd be... Yeah, but I thought they only did like one event and then it it was right before COVID. I, yeah. I remember I went I went to it to watch because I was like I that was a mm-hmm. thing I wanted to get involved with. And they yeah, did one. Uh, I don't think they've done another one. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that one to be honest, but um yeah, it's it's definitely something. Um and if not, I think there's E three, which might be a little closer, but I don't know. Something we could yeah. look into. But Jared, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. We could go on and on, but um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you out on the track, and uh, hopefully, we can drive together. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to that. All right, guys, and with that, I'll see you next Monday. Thank you. Thank you.